Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find them on the internet at redtailtalk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at jadeoxidrose, and on Instagram also, and various other places on the internet as oxidrose. I use they, them pronouns. Try and find me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, apologies in advance for noise. It is the Saturday following uh, November 5th at time of recording, and there are local firework displays going on. So, yay for me. <laughs> we'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today we are talking about book number 23, The Pretender. Um, it is a Tobias book, uh, and some book-specific content warnings include sanism and ableism, uh, implications of child neglect, uh, dissociation slash unreality, um, and a baby hork in peril. Um, there's also some, I suppose, direct references to, um, I suppose, animal on animal violence in yeah. the in the frame of predator prey. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Loki, can you not do that right now? He just looked at me and then pulled his claw out of the thing he was scratching, <laughs> just like you see the things I do for you. <laughs> So, uh, thoughts before we dive in? Jeez, this kid, my heart. I yeah. also love how small a story this feels, especially mm -hmm. on the heels of the David trilogy. Yeah. But just like, it's interesting because Tobias is sort of very much defined by this being this very sort of uh, internal character. We spend a lot mm -hmm. of time in his headspace. Uh, when we're with him by virtue of his situation. And I was just thinking back, I, I read the book a couple of weeks ago because uh, I fail at scheduling and remembering when things are happening. Finger guns. But um, I just remember feeling like that the I cannot remember like the A plot really, as it were. I suppose it, the B plot really, the A plot is Tobias in this. Mm -hmm. And um, it's... It's the sort of thing I very much like in like TV shows and stuff where we get like, this feels like very much a character study. Yes. Not just because it's from Tobias's perspective, but it's such a small, tight frame of focus mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I found real interesting. And I had emotions about it, unsurprisingly. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. I've also started reading Dimorphing thanks to Danielle, and that's just only adding on top of this. <laughs> gotta say, listen, Dimorphing is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, we cannot get onto a tangent about Dimorphing. We'll talk. We, we, can talk, we can't. We, we, we can't. can't do this again. We'll we did it last later. time. <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, it's Tobias continues to to struggle with his dual well, his duality 
uh, in this book, as he will continue to over and over again, because he's a 13-year-old boy living in the body of a red-tailed hawk for years. Uh, so, like, valid, you know? Mm. Uh, <laughs> also, but, like, I suppose it is one of those things, like, a thing happens and then you're forced to confront it again because mm-hmm. you might be able to make peace or at least find balance in your situation and then something comes and like kicks it yeah and then you have to like re- i'm now just thinking about like a bird in flight and like sometimes something will like clip a wing and they have to readjust mm-hmm. and stuff like that i say like i know anything about birds <laughs> yeah it's We have talked, or I have talked, about Cassie being in this kind of weird cycle where she'll start a book with a moral dilemma and go through the book and have, like, some kind of epiphany um, and come to a moral conclusion that is essentially equivalent to where she started, um, or at least is very similar to where she started. It feels identical. Um and, you know, we saw a bit of that with the the logging company book, book nine. Um, but we also see that, like, she and Tobias have reached some sort of understanding between the two of them since that book. Um, and I'm just thinking about, like, that cycle of Cassie and then that cycle of Tobias. And, like, I haven't thought very much about. Tobias is like the the cycle of it, I guess. Mm. Um because even though it's rehashing the a similar problem pretty much every time, it's like different aspects of that problem. Sure. Um because in book 3 it was him facing like the reality that he is now a bird. Uh mm. and then in 13 it was him having come to some kind of acceptance about that and then being thrown through the r- ringer by the Elemist, dangling this offer in front of him, mm. tempting him, uh, giving him hope. Yeah. Which is a theme in this book as well. Um, something comes up and it gives him hope. And spoiler alert, that hope is crushed. Uh, and. I love Tobias because he always always comes back to that hope even mm. though it constantly is like every single time it happens again he's like no I can't be hopeful this time because last time it went so badly but then he lets himself hope anyway mm. uh, and then he gets crushed again and it's just like over and over and over again um, very much a wooby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people find him extremely annoying because of that, which I can understand. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, in some ways, it is kind of one dimensional because it is the same problem over and over again. Um, but I don't know. I, I just find his particular struggle really compelling. Yeah. That's good. 
suppose we should uh, get into it, Loki. Yeah. I swear to Christ, if you headbutt that panel <laughs> because you are desperate for attention, he's just like on the desk next to uh-huh. me, rolling back and forth like, aren't I beautiful? <laughs> I am a handsome cat. And I'm like, I know, but also I'm trying to do something here. <laughs> let's so, let's get in let's, let's talk about it we we open on tobias musing as tobias does on the fact that he is no longer human um he very much continues to use the language that he is a hawk um not that he is trapped as a hawk um and he is looking out over his territory where another red-tailed hawk has begun encroaching into his territory and competing with him for food. And Tobias, for one reason or another, has not confronted the other hawk. Like, if he did, he would win. Because he's a human in a hawk body. Mm. Like, he could, he could outsmart this other hawk. You know, the thing that immediately strikes me about that, um, and it's like the pet that it's very like how Tobias was as a human, mm-hmm. very much like not rocking the boat, being pushed around by other people, being subject to the whims of other people, and very passive or reactive rather than mm-hmm. proactive. And it's interesting to see that behavior as present in him even now. Mm-hmm. But again, I suppose that sort of like encapsulates he's like too human to do the hawk thing. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, he he still has hang-ups about quote unquote nature red and tooth and claw, right? Mm-hmm. Um even though he has for the most part adapted to this life, he still struggles with the fact that he has to. Mm. Um, that notion of like having your hand forced mm-hmm. like we he doesn't reflect too much directly on his how he copes with this with this life right. i mean the fact that he calls himself a hawk is like a big signifier right there up at the front mm-hmm. like okay i'm gonna claim this thing that i am yeah. because if if it's something that happened to me I might fall apart. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't been eating because there isn't enough prey in the meadow to sustain both of the hawks. Um, and also, he has been having very strange hallucinations every time he goes after a prey animal in his meadow. Um what will happen is he will dive down on, in this case, he, the, the whole story kind of revolves around this small family of rabbits. Um, he will dive down on the rabbits and then find the perspective switched where he is now the rabbit and the hawk is closing in. Um, and that perspective switch is so terrifying for him that he, he can't go through with the kill. Um, and or and it or it, and it's even just funny, just like it's enough to throw him off that he then has to course correct and misses, mm-hmm. even if he 
was able to keep his thoughts about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he is he he tries this on one of the baby rabbits. He has a he has the moment of, um, and I really enjoyed that this is actually in here. Um, he he reflects on the fact that humans would think that going after the baby rabbits in this family of rabbits would be like heinous like they would much rather you go after the adult if you had to choose one um but he points out that well if he kills the mother then the babies won't survive regardless um whereas if he kills the babies then the mother can survive to another season um and have more babies um and he understands this uh, basically on an instinctual level because the other hawk is doing the same thing, um, going after the babies and not the, the mother. Um, he also notes that the mother is powerful and can and does just fucking kick him across the face. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is... uh. Pretty, pretty great. Um, it just puts into context, like for maybe people that don't know, like if you've not really had much experience with like seeing rabbits in the wild or whatever, mm-hmm. you might not think about the logistics. But a fully grown rabbit isn't that much smaller than a red-tailed hawk, if I'm mm-hmm. picturing this correctly. Mm-hmm. The fucking kick on like animals that are like quadrupeds their legs are so strong mm-hmm. add to that like maternal protectiveness and it's just sort of like nah yeah. son yeah like this this like this doe fully rings tobias's bell mm-hmm. uh it also it also brings into mind uh like hawks are kind of weenies <laughs> um <laughs> They would a hundred percent of the time much rather fly than fight, um, yeah. because they're brittle, right? Mm. Um, and like, if if they have their legs free, and they have like a height advantage, then they are really dangerous because they can and will foot you and sink their talons into your arm, um, and. Much, much damage. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But if they're already on the floor. But if they're already on the floor, then, like, their legs aren't very long. It's not like they can't kick out very well. What they'll actually do in that kind of situation is they will kind of roll over onto their backs so that their feet are up and then they kick. Mm. Um, Kind of how, like, in self-defense classes, they'll tell you that if, like, someone is attacking you and you're on the ground... Use your legs. Don't try to use your arms. Um, and so they will they will kick out with their talons. But if you grab hold of their legs so they can't use their talons, they they just stare at you like I. What is happening? Please don't eat me. Like <laughs> I saw that. I I've seen your TikTok on. <laughs> they, they they get so affronted and just like I don't know what to do here. They could bite you. Their beaks are sharp, and some birds will try to do that occasionally. Like, they will go for biting. Mostly it's like, I've 
screech owls will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, screech owls have a nasty bite. Um, but like, uh, oh my god, I almost called them Tobias. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Jesse has never once tried to bite me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not part of their defense mechanism. Yeah. Uh-oh. So it's it's just interesting to see, like, a microcosm of all of that mm. in this one little scene, um, illustrating that, like, a hawk in the sky is super powerful, has a very large advantage, but a hawk on the ground? Nah. Mm. Um, but, I, so we, we move on from that scene. Um... Tobias is still hungry and he's now shaken up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he realizes that this isn't the first time he's had that weird sort of vision. So a very large vehicle is going down the road outside and making my house rumble. Um, but it's like birds, my understanding, and smaller animals, their metabolism is high. They need to eat regularly. Mm-hmm. And I know what I'm like when I'm even like a little bit hungry. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm a hangry person. I won't <laughs> lie, but also it's and this is what they talk about, like why regular meals are important, why breakfast is particularly important while you're in school, because if you're hungry, you're not going to be able to concentrate as well. Mm-hmm. Everything becomes harder for your body to do because, like, you don't have enough fuel for things to work optimal proficiency. Right. And it's like, and Tobias is just like wrestling with this. He's having these visions. He doesn't know what to do. And like, and again, I feel like it's one of those things where if we saw him get a proper meal, I think it'd be like, oh, it's like that whole, if you think everyone hates you, you need to eat. No, if you think everyone hates you, you need to sleep. If you hate everyone, you might need to eat. But um, he's getting very philosophical as this this chapter goes on, um, and this is where some of that sanism warning comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, there's that interesting of of he's not sure how would he know if this were delusions? Mm-hmm. Like, does a madman know he's mad? Right? How does it doesn't he realize? Because if you knew that it was fake, then you wouldn't be. It's like that. It's the catch twenty two of it all. Right. It's it's never explicitly determined whether these visions that he's having are quote unquote real or mm-hmm. if they are just quote unquote just hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Um like the we we never learn the source of them. He yeah. appears to stop having them after this book. Mm-hmm. Um and part of me is just like you know the motherfucking Elemist has something to do with this shit. Um, I, w- I was wondering that when reading it, but then I was like, but to what purpose does it serve? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, our chess playing, look, to quote our good friends in the server, Ellie the Elemist, mm. <laughs> yeah, to the tune of Nelly the Elephant, it really worked. I good like that getting that out of your head ever again. <laughs> I am not sorry. But, Everything the Elemist does has intent. Yeah. He's not, 
not a, well, let's just see what happens. Like very much like, no, you need to be in this place for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Unless the whole point is to get Tobias on the back foot before the events of this book. But again, it seems mm-hmm. counterintuitive. So Yeah, I think, so my thought is that, uh, so dear listener who hasn't read the book, the, the crux of the book is this, um, decision that tobias has to make about whether to since he has the morphing power back whether to stay a hawk or and keep his morphing power and be able to help or to become human and leave everything behind um do what cassie was considering doing exactly but unlike Um, cassie he would be stuck right he wouldn't have the option to later change his mind right um it's implied that the others wouldn't look down on him for it um probably because they pity him so much um Mm -hmm. it's never really addressed it's only ever really addressed with rachel um Mm. rachel is extremely for him becoming human again for a variety of reasons we'll get into that too Mm -hmm. um but my my thought is that Maybe the Elemis could be doing it to make him lean towards human so that he goes, he kind of has, has the, the big emotional moment later. And so he learns the lesson. Yes. Uh huh. Hate Um, it. Yeah. (laughs) Hate it with the fire of a thousand songs. Yeah. And so that he, he goes through with it and learns what he learns at the end. Right. Mm. And that. In in a weird way, because he goes through all of this, he comes out with renewed vigor. Yeah. That I think might not otherwise have happened. Yeah, fair. If he wasn't in this stress pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. It's like the release valve went off. Uh-huh. Like it, it got to a point. It was allowed. It was allowed to reach this point, and then it can then move past it. Right. Um. But. To return to the sex, because otherwise we can just talk in delightfully fun <laughs> circles all night. We're um, in chapter two. <laughs> we're in chapter two, baby. Um, but Tobias is flying around. It's still early, looking for food. Uh, because as much as he's worried about these visions he's having and what they could mean, being hungry takes precedent. That's mm-hmm. at the forefront of his mind. And he uh, flies over some uh, roadkill on the is it highway. It's a road yeah. for sure, uh, and it's it's fresh. It's like like less than an hour, and he is struggling with the decision whether or not he should eat it. And he reflects that it's stupid for he, he said like, why am I drawing a line here? Mm-hmm. If I kill it myself, why is that better? Mm-hmm. Um. And he has this reflection of the truth is I'd seen hawks eat roadkill, older, weaker hawks, unlucky hawks. It happens. It just hadn't happened to me. Mm-hmm. And that, I suppose, again, this is the whole, he's too human to hawk. Mm-hmm. Because he can have the emotional awareness of reflecting what it means that he is not able to hunt right. mm-hmm. and judges himself for it. Yeah, it's 
it comes from this place of how much he hates to be pitied. And mm-hmm. we see that in just a second here because he goes down to this uh, carrion um, and begins eating it because at the end of the day, food is food and it's even still warm so he can pretend to himself that it's still his kill. Like he's diving um, down for the kill. Exactly. Um, but Rachel is present and she sees him uh, and he flips out. Um and runs away, flies away, um, like immediately gets out of there because he, what he sees in her is that she's embarrassed for him, that she's hurting for him, that she senses his humiliation because that's what he feels humiliation for this. Yeah. It's, it's like what I find real interesting and sad and part of the tragedy is what we hear Rachel say out loud in this book, like, yes, does support the if he did choose to take this option to, to just stay human. And we, she never says anything that comes across as pity to my immediate right. recollection. And mm-hmm. when we're in her perspective, it's not pity. She feels mm-hmm. like sympathy. Yeah. And it's, it feels reading it he projects so much mm-hmm. the thing is like he cares about specifically Rachel's opinion of him mm-hmm. because reasons um, we all know what we're about um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is like because he cares so much about what she thinks and he cares so much about her and because she does get him better than most, it's easy for him to project his own insecurities on that they're coming from her. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, if I saw this, I would think this. So, of course, she does. Mm-hmm. And it's making that assumption because yes. he is insecure about it. Because, as you mm-hmm. say, he hates pity. Yeah, he hates being pitied. He's so afraid of being pitied that mm-hmm. he thinks everybody pities him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and this is like, um, we get unpack a little more of this in this book. Like that, that's that's got to be part of his trauma. Mm-hmm. Like he's gone through so much, even before the whole animals thing. Like this is a kid who had a really fucking rough time of it, mm-hmm. and already being like this kid who's bullied with a very unstable home life. Not a lot of money. Like, those were probably hang-ups he already had. And then to have that magnified. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it time and time again about before he got his morphing power back, thanks to the Elemis, like, feeling like he's letting the side down, feeling like he has to contribute. Mm-hmm. Because it means so much to him being part of this effort. And he gets a big old incentive as to why. Or like not an incentive, more a reminder. Mm-hmm. And my heart breaks for him because he's a child. Yeah. And it's simultaneously both a very emotionally aware way to be feeling, but also still is like intrinsically that of a child as well mm-hmm. a child forced to grow up quickly mm-hmm. uh, 
Yeah. It's... He... He just, he is so afraid to be pitied. He is, because it means that he is that weak human still. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want to be that weak human. We see that over and over in here is that he thinks that all of his problems here are stemming from the fact that he's still too human to be a hawk, like you've Mm -hmm. been saying. Um, And instead of seeing that as potentially a positive thing, he sees that as an extremely negative thing. Um, and in some ways that's reinforced by some of the things that happen in this book. Um, Mm -hmm. and he, (sighs) you know, I feel like with this book, and I said, this is part of the the cycle we see with Tobias, he's trying to fully be the hawk. Mm -hmm. And so he's viewing his human behaviors as a negative, Mm -hmm. as a result. And it's about him making peace with this duality. Right. Which becomes increasingly like Tobias is like, as we as we learn more about him as the books go on, no look, no wonder I can see why a lot of trans young trans folk would like imprint super hard on Tobias because mm-hmm. vibes. Uh-huh. Uh also like people who are neurodivergent in some way. Mm-hmm. It's just Hey, uh. yeah. Also, the, the notion of—I mean, we all—we all know if you've been following along, even if you're reading, knowing who Tobias's father is, the fact that he is this child of two very different mm-hmm. places. No wonder he's felt so like. Maybe that's why he feels so keenly aware mm-hmm. of that dual nature of himself. He's got like this layer of awareness i cannot wait to hurt you with book 33 (laughs) listeners do you hear this shit well i have to deal with the glee in danielle's voice this sadistic bird loving is out here for my blood and i'm just here trying to read some books and have an interesting time Listen, you understand the Schadenfreude at this point. Like, you yeah, get I it. Know. You I get, get it. it. I do. <laughs> I do. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I made a connection that I read a while ago and then forgot. And now I'm just uh-huh. like, ah, uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, it's, Poor, poor kid. It's mm. remember when the Elemis showed him his quote unquote true self? Ugh. It wasn't one or the other, though. No. I just hate this manipulative bastard. Yeah. No one can be shown the Matrix. Nobody can be told what the Matrix is. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see it for yourself. Yeah. But, like, that's also a big ask for a child, even on a very emotionally aware one. Mm hmm. And, and now I'm just wondering, and I, you, you're cackling about book 33, <laughs> how much of um, the way Tobias thinks is influenced by his Andalite heritage? Yeah. The fact that he doesn't know about it until this point. Yeah. And the fact that 
from a genetic level, Alfangle was human. Mm-hmm. I re- that's one. That's not the point. Yeah. Let me Two. let me let me tell you this because it's not it's not really a spoiler. Okay. Uh. So we've seen the animorphs um morph a bunch of different alien species, and again, you get like base instincts and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but not like the personality. One of the base instincts for Andalites is optimism. Mother, I was gonna because I was say I I had the thought earlier when you were talking about <laughs> Tobias. I was just like, yeah, like Alfangor, like yeah. desperately wanting the best thing to happen. So it's like uh, I love and hate that. That's incredible. <laughs> I don't I don't even know that they intended to do that. But the yeah. fact that it came through mm. is just like chef's kiss. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, it's the big, it's the top of chapter 3. We can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. McElroy voice, Danielle, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I do want to point out is that Tobias or Rachel recognized Tobias immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Rachel ain't some basic bitch that thinks <laughs> All he knows better. Are the same. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, um, speaking of, we do actually get a mention um, mm-hmm. because the the animals are in kind of in downtime. Mm-hmm. There's me using game lingo, mm-hmm. um, and I appreciate that it's saying it's dealing with the horrifying matter of David. Um. So just they're all still reeling from it, and they're purposely taking this time not doing missions mm-hmm. uh tobias goes to check in with jake say yo anything i need to know about and jake's like no no but you need uh rachel wants to see you mm-hmm. and it's important so mm-hmm. uh so he heads to rachel's um i love this woman like uh she leaves her she's her windows open which she often does uh for him to fly in and visit and I love this dude. He comes by and helps and does her homework for her. Mm-hmm. Just like this cute fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says he doesn't know why. Some weird desire to stay in touch with my old life, I guess. Sure, Jan. <laughs> um, I mean, I do think it's also possibly partly that, but also mm-hmm. don't see him doing anybody else's homework. I'm just saying. Um, but he easily. Uh, lands, he flies in through the window. She's reading with one of those little book lights. Um, and he goes to explain, or he wants to try and explain. And she just interrupts him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know what it's like. She doesn't want to give him the opportunity to wallow because she's unbothered, but also this is important. And yeah. what she tells him is that someone has come around looking for him, yeah. like human him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lawyer uh, claiming to be Tobias's father's lawyer, and that who's also representing a woman uh, calling herself Arya, who says that uh, she's Tobias's cousin. And I like how Tobias like Arya isn't that a song they sing in, in an opera? And she's just like, "What are you, an idiot? Pay attention." The way she has like <laughs> she doesn't say that. Um, they shouldn't have put it in quote marks in quotation no. marks like that. That was confusing. Um, and but Rachel's just like, why do we care what her name means? Um, <laughs> and it's interesting that actually, before we get got into Tobias, it's like, 
That's a bit sus. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but she's just like, it's not important. Um, and Tobias is pressing for details. Uh, like, okay, so who's she related to? And Rachel's just like, I didn't exactly cross-examine her. Uh, this is some gay shit right here. Rachel snaps back and just like, I laugh. Don't ask me why, but Rachel being cranky always makes me laugh. <laughs> Tobias, my guy, my sweet bird. You like her, my, my guy. Um, it turns out this information has come secondhand from Chapman, which is enough to like kill any amusement Tobias is feeling in that moment, given that uh, he's such a high-ranking controller. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but thankfully uh, it's revealed that Chapman didn't ask Rachel specifically like there's no tie mm-hmm. there that's been drawn but she overheard him talking to Melissa um, and reassuringly the whole group is like this is weird Marco is described as being in full blown psychopanic uh, psychoparanoia mode Um. Like, Rachel thinks it sounds real. Um, definitely that got the vibe that he knows more than he's letting on, but isn't sniffing around Rachel. Tobias is like, yeah, no, Marco's right. This is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get, like, this little reveal um, about how it's now this awareness from Chad. And, like, yeah, Tobias hasn't been in school in months, contacted his last address and his guardian says he thought he was with some other aunt. And we just get this heartbreaking detail of like Tobias trying to like play it off. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that both of his parents are probably dead and how he used to be sort of passed back and forth between an uncle and an aunt. One was a drunk and the other just couldn't be bothered. No one wanted me. I don't say that to get pity, it's just reality. I couldn't blame them, I guess. I mean, they didn't ask to have a kid all of a sudden. And when I disappeared, I don't guess either of them spent much time looking for me. And excuse me while I go, like, punch through some tribal. Uh-huh. Because fucking hell. Yeah, it's... What does it say about his life that he essentially dropped off the face of the earth? And it's been at least a year, probably, before literally anybody started looking for him. And the reason they started looking for him is because this lawyer has uncovered something. Relating yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's heartbreaking because you know that there are kids out there like this. Yeah. A lot of them. And the way he plays it off mm-hmm. so casually as well, mm-hmm. this acceptance of his lot in life, or at least outwardly trying to and the fact that he thinks so little of himself just like yeah i can't blame them for not wanting me around who wants to have a kid dumped on them like (laughs) my guy but you also wonder like how much of that is just parroting stuff that's probably been said to him right like there's there's a reason the content warnings that we did what we did like we don't like you know like uh, people who like are heavy drinkers aren't exactly known for you know tact subtlety yep saying Kindness. kind things <laughs> yeah 
it's <sighs> yeah he he is definitely a kid who has grown up with so so much self-loathing mm-hmm. uh that we see in fucking heartbreaking detail later mm-hmm. um that like you know that this kid has just internalized every single message that everyone in his life has sent him of mm-hmm. you are unwanted yeah like you can see and that's i'm trying not to let the very good fanfic i was really early today that that's why it becomes this interesting question of did tobias get stuck in, on purpose mm-hmm. because when you see how little his life or he feels he was am- amounted to mm-hmm. it would be easy to give that up because it already feels like nothing and in his like, the thing, it was a kindness. Well, at least now those people won't have to deal with me anymore. I won't be a burden to anybody. Mm-hmm. But, and then he was so afraid of being a burden to his friends. Yeah. I say was. Mm. <laughs> but. Uh, so he's reeling from this news and just sort of like trying to play off the details about his family and it's just like look i know where the lawyer is staying uh jake says we are all available to help check this out um which is just like good team leader jake mm-hmm. um and so it's just like has to be a trap um because like it doesn't make any sense that his father's lawyer because um when his mum disappeared and his dad died there wasn't a will or anything. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's just like, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tobias is like, this is a trap because someone's figured out who I am. And Rachel's like, maybe, probably. But I, I'm just like, mm, there's some good casual. This woman has been in Africa all this time. Uh-huh. It's just sort of like, just Africa. This is bad. <laughs> don't do this. It's a fucking large continent. Yeah, pick a country. Yeah. It ain't Any hard. country. Um, but apparently this cousin Aria has got back, found out no one knows where Tobias is, and contacted this lawyer. And has apparently told Chapman and this lawyer that she wants to take Tobias in and give him a home. And we don't have any dwelling on that at this point. We get it more later in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, we sort of cut to some details about this lawyer, De Groot. Uh, De Groot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I, I'm laughing because, like, Tobias is specifically corrected. Mm-hmm. This dude's name is spelled De Groot, like I am Groot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, it's De Groot rhymes with boat. Eh. I, so he says. Why? Mm. Why? But um, this this is one of those uh, strip malls uh, based lawyers, um, just like convenience store one end, insurance office at the other. Doesn't look like a place to lay a trap, but hey, that's the thing about traps. If they look like traps, they wouldn't really be effective. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's nowhere to hide any big morphs uh, with this location, so uh, Tobias has to go in solo. 
and everybody else is kind of spread out. Uh, Jake and Cassie are at a Taco Bell nearby. Marco and Axe are hanging out outside of a convenience store. And Rachel is uh, pretending to browse, or no, she's in the laundromat pretending to like wash clothes or whatever. Um, because the laundromat shares a wall with this lawyer's office, and if he calls for help, she can morph Grizzly and be there in <laughs> That's minutes. just such a good visual of uh-huh. like Rachel Kool-Aid manning through the walls uh-huh. of Grizzly Bear. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I love, it's very comforting knowing you have an on-call Grizzly Bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but understandably, Tobias is nervous. Mm-hmm. And he says that uh, the thing that's really the most worrying about is, about this whole situation is this temptation. Mm-hmm. But he, like he tries to get his shit together, uh, demorphs, um, reflects on the weirdness of that because he demorphs to become human. Um, I'm, I'm sad about it. <laughs> and we get the information about how it was the Elemist that restored his ability to morph after he got stuck as the uh, Nolithet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's thinking about all of this as uh, he has to focus on like his human self to change yeah. back. Yeah. But he's sort of, he's like battling with this feeling of indecision as he does so. Mm-hmm. And the way this morph is described like both moving into it and then how uncomfortable he feels mm-hmm. in his human body. Not just because his eyesight isn't as good um, and his hearing isn't as sharp, but how much heavier he feels mm-hmm. and how exposed he feels <laughs> with like yeah. skin rather than feathers. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And uh, the kids have other kids have uh, left like a bag with some clothes for him to put on. He says, "Well, at least I'll give it up for humans. Bodies have hands. Mm-hmm. Um, the brains are great, but the brain would be nothing without the hand." Mm-hmm. So I, I ran my tongue around inside my mouth, feeling the barbaric sensation of big bony teeth. Freezing, Rude, my is, dude. Uh, <laughs> mm. You ever just have a really... D- there are some days we're just like, oh, teeth feel weird. Uh-huh. Mm. <sighs> Especially after you've got done hearing your friends play part of a game where they're like slowly succumbing to eldritch infection <laughs> and becoming other things. Mm-hmm. But um, he's, he's morphed and is like practicing how to speak. Mm-hmm. Which is just... Fuck. Mm-hmm. To speak with a mouth as opposed to just thought speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's practicing so he can like come across as normal when he goes and interacts with the secretary and this lawyer and just like, mm, big autistic mood. <laughs> <laughs> big yep. social anxiety mood, just like, okay, say it like this, say mm-hmm. it like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but he goes into the office and, um, Says after saying that he thinks Doc, uh, Mr. DeGroote wants to speak to him, is corrected on the pronunciation. Yeah. Um, and is, she clearly looks unimpressed 
Uh, to be fair, this is a 13-year-old boy that just like strolled into the into a lawyer's office. No mm-hmm. guardians or anything. Um, but is uh, shown in. Yeah. Uh, once uh, the secretary says who it is, uh, he's immediately like, yeah, no, come in. Uh, I love the detail about the doorknob because mm-hmm. uh, he, he uses the doorknob easily as a human and as a bird he would have been totally defeated by the doorknob. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm. it's not Re- like a door handle. Yeah. Re- reasons why you should have accessible door handles is so that your bird friends can get through easily. Danielle, you disappointed you don't have more bird friends visiting you at home. Is this what this is? Because it was like, should have put a lever handle on the back door. <laughs> um, but we get this description of this lawyer who's done up like full on like 80s yuppie style white shirt, red suspenders. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know yet, but this whole interaction like reading back it's just like so weird mm-hmm. um and how much does tobias sound like axe here oh yeah, yeah. like struggling to what's the right thing to say what yeah. are the right questions to ask so you are tobias yes i'm tobias like mm-hmm. feeling overwhelmed by the taste and sensation of cold coke Mm-hmm. Like and like struggling with like volume control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and like he has this moment uh, where he's just like, I just the way this Lloyd like rattling through drink options. Mm-hmm. Um, and he could come across as like an an inexperienced lawyer and somebody like this is a weird situation and is overcompensating. Um, this I was going to say something. I was going to say a rude word about this secretary. Um, <laughs> when he uh, decides on a coke, yelling it out, um, he uses the lawyer uses the intercom, and he's like, "So yeah, Ingrid, can you get?" And she's like, "Yeah, I know, I heard." <laughs> yeah, very judgmental. Yeah, unpleasant. Um, yeah, and just like Tobias is struggling, just reminding how to drink when mm-hmm. one has lips. Yep, which he, he does think beak first. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just reeling from as as Danielle was saying, just like cold fizzy drink. Um, I meanwhile, this lawyer is just trying to figure stuff out. It's just like, okay, where have you been staying? Your legal guardians both seem to think the other one had you. And Tobias like sort of evades the question. Yeah, yeah. He's he's basically playing the quote unquote street youth. Mm-hmm. Um, who has fallen in with bad crowds and run away from home uh, kind of bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it seems to mostly work. Uh, this The lawyer is pretty taken aback um, by, his, by Tobias's kind of shortness and lack of facial expression. <laughs> yeah, like, Tobias... This comes up a few times, not just in this meeting, but with a later meeting, mm-hmm. lawyer, how his like lack of practice at being in a human body actually works in his favor because mm-hmm. his emotions aren't showing on his face. And yo, give it up for all my flat effect people. <laughs> but 
it saves his ass and it also allows him to come across as calmer than he feels mm-hmm. because he is speaking in these clipped sentences and looking utterly disinterested and utterly unfazed by the things that he has said because mm-hmm. he's kind of forgotten how to work his face. Yep. Yep. Because as a hawk, you don't make facial expressions. And so he's just mm-hmm. not practiced with making them. Mm. Uh, and uh, we get the pretty depressing uh, realization that Tobias has forgotten when his birthday is, um, mm. which I I point out in our document, like, it really makes you wonder how much of his, like, forgetting stuff about his human life is from time versus from having his human brain float in Z-space like for ninety nine percent of his life, um, or his current life, uh, also trauma, also trauma. Um, like we don't know how big a deal his um, guardians made of his birthday. Mm-hmm. So um, he's like, he's like, no, like he he knows what month it is. Mm-hmm. But like, I can totally understand like all these factors swarming together. Like he's not yeah. sure of the exact date. Also, like. Him not knowing what date it currently is, unless he happens to read it off something. Right. Because yeah. why would he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has no way to keep track of dates. Which, like, I like, I live by my calendar nowadays. Mm. Um, if it's not on my calendar, it does not exist. Uh, and even then, I have extreme trouble keeping track of, like, dates and days. Mm. When when I was furloughed from work and not going in, mm-hmm. I lost all track of what day of the week it was, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it's there. There, it so it it is extremely believable to me that mm-hmm. living in the woods, he has no idea what day it is, unless one of his friends is like, "Oh yeah, uh, so Saturday we're gonna do this thing," and he kind of has to like. Go fly over somebody with a watch, like, okay, what day is today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but while uh, Tobias is trying to figure out how to do the human thing, um, and Tobias is like, as a there's a bit faux ability to play it cool, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's just like, yeah, well, my father's dead. Right. When uh, this lawyer says that he represents the estate. Mm-hmm. And this lawyer explains that the man who died, who Tobias thought was his dad, well, maybe not his real dad. Right. Um, the lawyer goes on to explain, look, this is a weird situation. I have a document. It was actually left with my my father, who used to run this office. But um, this was in his documents, but it had very specific information that on the date of your next birthday, your father's last statement was to be read to you if humanly possible. And Tobias is like, if this is a trap, this is a really weird one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, he has to like, when the Lord's like, you don't seem surprised. And Tobias is like, oh yeah, surprised face. <laughs> um, and then we get the added information about uh, Arya who is reportedly uh, his great aunt's daughter, who's only just learned of his situation, 
a nature photographer who's been on long-term assignment and she wants to meet Tobias. And Tobias is like, well, why? And uh, he's hit with the response of, your family, she wants to help you. And that kind of rocks Tobias a little. Uh, the DeGroote tells him where she's staying and is like, oh, do you know where that is? Tobias, uh, the person who has a mental map of the entire city etched into his brain, is like, yeah, I know where that is. Um, and this lawyer is basically just like, she's very concerned. Do you need anything? Do you need money? Do you need a place to spend the night? Uh, and Tobias is like, no, it's, it, look, it's fine. Uh, and the lawyer's like, well, I mean, I guess you look healthy enough. I'm not, like, I'm not going to try to drag you in somewhere. I um, love there's this detail about how he looks well-dressed uh-huh. because Rachel picked his outfit. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Uh, and he looks like a poster boy for Tommy Hilfiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobias tries the very smart conversational trick of like, oh, so when did you say you're going to read this document? But the lawyer doesn't doesn't catch on, doesn't give in to him, and is just like, oh, on your birthday. And Tobias is like, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he leaves. Ah, that's a cold nose, Arrow. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he leaves. He's not sure when his birthday is. He's trying to figure it out, trying to remember. Um, he He's goes trying to in- suss out what month it is. Yeah. Uh, and he goes into the convenience store. They had The Animorphs had set up a uh, kind of notification system whether things were okay or not okay. Um, he signals okay by picking up a mounds bar and putting it back down. Um, and... He thinks he remembers that his birthday is the 25th, uh, today being the 22nd, um, probably. <laughs> sure. Um, and he, he is just, he doesn't believe any of this because, like, there, there's too much coincidence here. Like, there's no way. Um, Jake and the others are his eyes in the sky at this point. They've all, mor- they've morphed bird. Um, and what a wonderful change of pace that just uh-huh. makes me smile the just the visual of them looking out for him mm-hmm. the way he does for them, yeah, uh, and he is being followed by some dude in a suit, um but between Jake and the others, they're able to lead him uh in such a way that he loses his tail um and Tobias demorphs and gets out of there um and only then did it hit me full force someone wanted me family wanted to take care of me unless of course they really wanted what they really wanted was to learn my secrets and then kill me oh buddy i it's like that duality of Mm -hmm. hope and pragmatism is Mm -hmm. I think they both land as hard as they do because they're in juxtaposition with each other. Mm-hmm. And it just, your heart breaks. Yeah. It's, yeah. He, he cannot catch a break at all. <laughs>